Hey, everybody. This is Frankie from the Breakpoint Podcast. We want to thank you all for tuning in to Marcus and I discussing our love and passion for the game of tennis. Your engagement and support goes a long way to helping this podcast continue to grow. Please be sure to give us a follow, rate our podcast on our social channels, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, or any other place that you get your podcasts. And on social media, Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast 7, Twitter at Breakpoint Pod 7, LinkedIn, and of course, our website, podpage.com forward slash break dash point dash podcast. Remember to subscribe to our podcast so you're the first to know when there's a new episode drop and more people like you can find our podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Breakpoint Podcast, starring myself, Frankie, and my co-host, Marcus. This is our first, fourth time recording this now. And uh, that is the first time that I was actually able to run through the intro that I just auto-robotically say correctly, um, which is really astonishing. But you know what they say, the fourth time's the charm. So, Marcus, what do we got on tap today for this special off-season episode? Yeah, Frankie, this is one of our favorites. After the year of tennis ends, we don't know what to do with ourselves, so we end up recording podcasts on Sundays talking about more tennis. So uh, this is one of our favorite ones. This is awards of the year, so we're going to be running through player of the year, coach of the year, comeback player of the year, disappointment of the year, newcomer of the year, tournament of the year, and match of the year. Those seven awards we're going to be dishing out. We're going to go through the nominees Frankie and I are going to probably agree on a few, but definitely uh, debate a few here. So uh, let's let's just kick it right off, Frankie. We've got... Pl- uh, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm going to add something to the notes while Marcus is saying the nominees here. We forgot about most improved. So I'm going to add that in the background while Marcus talks about who we got for player of the year. Okay, perfect. So player of the year, we've got uh, pretty much the usual suspects. We've got Novak Djokovic, Carlos Alcaraz, Yannick Sinna and Daniel Medvedev. Frankie, I think it's safe to say. All right. Well, I'm going to just voice my opinion. Uh, I'm going to go with Novak Djokovic. I don't know if I really need to explain why. Uh, The guy is 36 years old, won three out of four Grand Slams. And the only Grand Slam that he lost, he lost in a five-setter to Carlos Alcaraz. Multiple 1000s titles yet again. Um... You know, just just the guy just doesn't lose. Just pretty much wins every every tournament he's in. Doing it at his age thirty six is pretty incredible. You know, wins the ATP Tour Finals for the was it the seventh time or something. It's incredible to watch. I think that we're witnessing something that we've never ever witnessed before, and not just tennis, but pretty much all sports. So for me, Player of the Year, kind of Novak's running away with it. Uh, I disagree with all sports. I think LeBron James is doing it at an even older age in the NBA right now, as the Lakers have just won the in-season tournament with LeBron shooting 62% from three and going for like 25, 8, and 7 every night, which is ridiculous. But um, but I do agree. In tennis, I think he, I think in this upcoming year, he will be sort of well past what Fed was doing around this age. So it'll really be pretty unprecedented. I do think that some of the discourse that goes on with Novak and his age like sort of gets a little hyperbolic because we think we're just forgetting how good Fed was from like 17 to 19. 
like in that 2017 to 2019 in his late 30s. Like he did reach number one in the world. He was winning majors, not at the level that Novak Djokovic is, but he was certainly very, very, very good. So I, I do want to just sort of preface that. However, I agree with you. Novak is the player of the year. And I actually think this might be his greatest year ever, in my personal opinion. I think that if it is certainly unquestionably in his top three to win uh, three out of four majors and be literally two games away from winning the full calendar Grand Slam and then to win ATP finals and to win all of the Masters 1000s basically that he entered um, is ridiculous. So I think that Novak is just, he just has to be your player of the year. I, I don't really think that there's much of a debate to go on with this award, to be perfectly honest with you. I think there's there's more interesting ones that we'll get to. Uh, so it sounds like Marcus and I are in agreement here. So I am going to move us on to Coach of the Year, which I think is actually a little bit more interesting. So for Coach of the Year, we have Juan Carlos Ferrero, Darren Cahill, Goran Ivanisevic, and Ben Shelton's dad, who I believe is named Brian, if I'm... Not remembering that. Okay, great. Um, those are who I nominated. Uh, Marcus gave it a quick glance and said that he agreed. But uh, yeah, Marcus, give us your thoughts. Or if I miss somebody, please let me know. Yeah, this is a tough one because you can kind of go... You, you can look at it from a couple different ways. You can look at it on purely results or you can look at it in terms of player improvement um, specifically throughout the year. I'm going to axe out Brian Shelton for now. I think Ben made tremendous improvements, um, but I don't – I'd like to see him do more on in the clay season, and I think that that next year might give him an edge if he can really kind of help uh, help Ben get better during the clay season. So, um, And he had a kind of a mid-year lull. I'm not sure if that was just Ben's fault, the coach, you know, but the coach is responsible for some of these things too. So in, in my opinion, I'm going to take Brian – out of this one, although I think it's a great candidate. Um, I'm also going to take Carlos Ferrero out just because I think Carlos had another great year, but I think there was a lot of things that we could have seen better from Carlos. And I think, again, this could give Juan Carlos more of an edge in the future with this award. For me, Frankie, it comes down to Darren Cahill and Goran Ivanisevic. This is a tough one because I think Darren Cahill did an absolutely fantastic job with the NX Cine throughout the year. He ended the year on a ridiculously strong note, taking out Djokovic twice in one week. I know he lost him in the finals of the ATP um, of the World Tour Finals, but Djokovic played incredible. Uh, Sinner's rise to the top four has been just sensational. Darren has a lot to do with that, but honestly, I'm going to go with Goran just because in order to prepare someone like Novak Djokovic for a full year and to work with his limited calendar and get the most out of him, that you possibly can is really, really impressive in my opinion. And this is not, and this is kind of a long-term working relationship that they've had. I think he just knows how to speak to Djokovic. He knows how to get him ready, even though, you know, he never reached Novak's level as a player, but something is, is going right in that relationship. I think Djokovic, obviously a lot of it has to do with the player, but I think Goran has done a fantastic job keeping him mentally, stable ready to play and then just tactically just getting better you know every single time i mean it's not all novak i think goran has a lot of influence here yeah i think i'm going to echo a lot of the things that marcus just said 
I think that Goron, also very similar to Marcus, kind of has to be the pick. For me, the second pick that really only comes close is Yannick Sinner uh, with Darren Cahill. But the reason that I'm not going to pick him is just because I think if Yannick takes the bigger next step of winning the Grand Slam, then this award is Darren Cahill's. In the same way that this award was won Carlos Ferrero's last year, if that makes sense. Um, I think that Goron has just done such an amazing job of transforming Novak's game into this really offensive serve plus one heavy like style that is so contrary to what Novak was doing like 15 years ago, which by the way, it's crazy to say that 15 years ago, but like (laughs) it, it is just nuts. And I think the way that he sort of has put up with Novak's antics and Novak, I'm not like, digging on Novak. Novak openly says this in all of his like post-match interviews that he needs a team that's going to be able to sort of like take him uh, is really, really incredible. So I, I think I agree with you, Marcus. I think that Goran Ivanisevic has quietly been one of the best coaches in all of tennis for years now. And, and, and this is our chance to sort of give him his flowers. Yeah, I can't disagree with you there. I mean, it takes it, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of pressure to deal with someone like Novak. Um, we've seen Novak make a lot of coaching changes in the past, so got to got to give props to Goran. I think that no one really can beat him out this year. Um, you know, in terms of uh, in terms of coach of the year. So, on to the next one, Frankie. This one's pretty pretty interesting. One comeback player of the year. We've got three candidates. Uh, one is going to be Alex Sverev, who, you know, I included him here because I didn't really consider last year any sort of year that he had. I know that he came back like really late towards the end of the season, um, but I wasn't really sure if, you know, we, we, I would consider this year his like his comeback year from his French Open injury in 2022. Uh, next on the list is Nicholas Jari who returned from a PED suspension, um, pretty much unranked, so had to start from from the bottom, and it worked his way up to ending the year at 19 in the world. And then we've got Adrian Manorino, who has somehow snuck back into the top 30 at age like 33 or 34, using two rackets and no clothing sponsor, and stringing his rackets at 26 pounds. So shout out to Adrian for, for just getting it done and knowing how to play like savant, absolute savant-level tennis. Um, Frankie, my opinion for this one, I'm going to go with Nicholas Jari. I think that starting from absolutely zero and making your way to 19 in the world while making some noise at some slams and masters tournaments, I think is really, really impressive. I know that it's a little bit controversial because he was out of the game because of PEDs, but either way, I don't really know how much these PEDs have an influence on your tennis. It's kind of tough to gauge, but other than that, I think coming from absolutely zero, not playing for over a year, coming back to be 19 in the world is pretty pretty impressive to me. It would Manorino would be a close second. So this is going to be our first disagreement. I think that Jerry is going to win another award here. Uh, I am actually more inclined to give this to Zverev. I think that Zverev, with his injury, like that is. You know, Marcus and I have both dealt with ankle injuries in some capacity, I think. They are so hard to come back from. 
when you're playing tennis. I mean, you're putting so much pressure on your body laterally. So for me personally, I am going to go with Zverev. I think that what he's done to within a year, basically be right back, you know, in like, in my opinion, top five, top six players in the world and kind of, to be honest, look better than he did before is insane. Uh, I mean, it, it is just remarkable. And we've seen so many of these like bigger guys, right? And Zverev is certainly on that bigger side. Think of somebody like a Juan Martin Del Potro and, and everything. Like when they have a, a big injury like this, particularly in the lower half of their body, like they're done. You know what I mean? Like they are just cooked. And Zverev did not do that. If anything, I think he's almost moving better than he was before. Like it's really, really phenomenal from him, and and I give him a lot of credit. So I'm gonna go with Zverev. My number two for comeback player of the year is Nico Jarry, just because I think that Manorino has gotten injured like 15 times in his 10 years on tour. So I think it's just like this is just the norm for him. I think he's just he just knows how to deal with it better. Um, not to like discredit him, I think what he's done is amazing, and I think that he's sort of like. One of the guys that if we reformed the tours uh, schedule and we reform the tours like breakdown of like surface speeds, which we'll talk about in a different episode, I think, uh, you know, he would be somebody that I think would really, really benefit because he is just so good on these fast surfaces. I mean, we saw him only lose, I think, this year, two matches on grass or something like that. Um which is nuts. So I think he's a great player. Uh, but for me, it's Varev, which, and I'm going to give Nico Jerry another award, uh, which I'll just move us right on, I think, um, to most improved, which our nominees are Yannick Sinner, Nico Jerry, and Alexander Zverev. And for me, this is where I'm going with Nico Jerry. I think that he looks I remember watching him against Berrettini at the US Open in 2022 uh with Marcus actually um and I was like this guy's good like he's got he moves pretty well for a bigger guy you know but there's nothing special here to all of a sudden like this guy's looking like Del Potro light in 2023 which is nuts so for me this is where Nico Jerry will get the award I see I see your point there, but that's kind of why I gave him comeback player of the year because he did kind of have nothing to compare against. So that's why I'm like, okay, he came back from nothing. For me, most improved is going to be your boy, Yannick Sinna. Uh, started off the year ranked 15th, ends the year ranked 4th, and gets over the hump of beating Novak Djokovic and does so twice in one week. If that is an improvement, I don't know what is. So he his run has been incredible this year and leading Italy to their first Davis Cup title in about 50 years. So I think Jan's game, as we've seen, a, a massive leap, especially in the second half of this season. And I think that that's something that you and I are obviously going to, when we get to 2024, talking about what we think is going to happen. It, all our eyes are on Jan. I think it's, you know, it's him, Novak, Carlos, and a little bit of Med. But all eyes are going to be on Jan because of this insane improvement that we've seen. Um, so th- that that's my pick for for most improved. I think that you just can't ignore Jan going from 15 to 4, getting over that mental hurdle of beating the best of all time. It's 
That's incredible. Uh, Frankie, this one is... Yeah, go ahead. I, I, I'll just add, I'm not going to disagree with you on Jan. Like, I think that he, as I've spoken about on this podcast a bunch of times, like, he went from, in 2022, being smacked by... Even early on in 2023, quite honestly. Like, this is, like, most improved, like, from June yeah. to now. Like, it's crazy. Um, but he went from, I think... Being competitive with Carlos, had won matches before, obviously, like the whole thing. He went from never beating uh, Medvedev, never beating Djokovic, never really, and having a lot of trouble with Sitsipas, by the way, to all of a sudden just destroying all of those guys pretty consistently. Um, no, not destroying Novak consistently, but destroying Medvedev three times in three finals in a row. Uh, it, Playing Sitsi Pass is a joke for him now, right? Whereas that, but you know, last year at the, what was that at the Australian Open? He just completely crapped the bed. And, you know, against Novak goes from not even sniffing a match victory to beating him twice, including coming back from love 40 down. Like what? He Novak to Novak. Uh, it's, it's really incredible. So I'm never going to disagree with that. I just think that if we're not going to give Darren Cahill coach of the year for that improvement, because I think it is a significant improvement of going from somebody who has a lot of potential to be good to somebody who is like, this is somebody that's going to win a Grand Slam. Like he has potential to win a Grand Slam, is winning Masters 1000s, which he did. And Jan has even spoken about how big of a deal that that Cincinnati Masters win was for him mentally. You mean, Tor uh, you mean Toronto? I think if we're not going to give that yeah. Toronto, excuse me, um, how big of a deal winning Toronto was for him, winning that first Masters 1000 was. I think that the sort of right thing is to go with somebody like Jerry, who just like going from zero basically to 19 and like getting to 19 in the world when you're outside of the top like 200 is crazy. Like, that is a wild improvement. And uh, I think of it as more of an improve. I think of Jarry's story as more of an improvement than I do a comeback. Whereas Zverev's, I think of more as a comeback, personally. Yeah, I mean, I, I just disagree because I think I think Jerry coming... Because Jerry used to be top 30. So him coming back to that from going to yeah. zero... Like, not... You know, it's different when you're like 70 in the world and you go back to 30. But you're coming from... Like you're starting on the challenger tour again or, you know, like some little challenger in Chile and now you're seated 19th at a grand slam. That's, <laughs> I don't know. That yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I, and he got, I mean, he got to a, he got to a grand slam semifinal this year, didn't he? I'm not going crazy. Like, am I? Yeah. Or was it a quarter? Somebody fact check me, checking. but uh yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna disagree with 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 what you're saying. I I, I think that both Zverev and Jari right. deserve an award. I think Sinner, in some capacity, deserves an award because he's By played the way, so this well. Is Nineteen in the world is Jerry's career high. Yeah, no, no, no I know it is. No, it's 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 remarkable. Yeah, and what was his best Grand Slam result? Checking. U.S. Open round of thirty-two, Wimbledon yeah, round of thirty-two, Roland Garros round of sixteen. Okay. 
Okay, maybe that's the one I was thinking of. It. He made the... Because f- he missed the Australian. He made the round of 64 at the Australian, but he qualified. Right. Yeah, because of the doping. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty... Round of 16 is pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah no, I mean, he, he played, played really well. Ranked, 152. I, I, yeah, one fifty two to nineteen is crazy, man. I mean, That's that wild. is that you got to get something for that. I mean, that maybe, is maybe he's juicing again. I'm mean, like, <laughs> so the thing is, I didn't want to say that, That's but I'm just saying I would have that guy piss. I would have I would be checking that guy's yeah, piss in the cup. Absolutely. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we're in agreement. All three of these guys deserve some sort of award. They've had fantastic seasons. We'll move on. Yeah, now. we'll move on to. Actually, I don't. I'm I'm kind of curious where you're going to go with this, Frankie. Disappointment of the year. We've got four candidates. Uh, you put one in last second here. We've got. I was about to say you like my yeah, last I minute do. edition. It brings in some flair. I love it. Uh, we've got Felix Auger Aliassime, also known as FAA, as we will refer to him as now on. Uh, we've got Kasparud. We've got Stefanos Sitsipas, and we've got Aslan Karatsev. Um. Frankie, I want to hear yours first. I know I know that's cheeky, but I want to hear yours first. <laughs> okay, so the last minute edition was Aslan Karatsev, and that's purely because the guy made a Grand Slam semifinals as like a qualifier, which was nuts, and then has just completely fallen off the face of the earth and is now just like one one match and he's gone. Uh, and I think that that like like he is just a pure one slam wonder at this point, which is pretty incredible. So I think he has to be on disappointment because I thought he had a pretty decent game and he just has it's looked tough, terrible tough. ever since. He's not going to win this award. No. He's not because I wasn't really expecting him to like be a top 10 player. But, you know, he still has to get shouted out for being horrible. <laughs> so, <laughs> Asan Karatsev, you're on here. <laughs> Sorry. However, for me. Oh, also, I'm now thinking somebody we've forgotten most improved is Ben Shelton. Has to get at least a mention. I don't think he wins, but he should get a mention for how much he's improved over the course of uh, 2023. Yeah, we dropped the ball on that one. Yeah. I don't think he wins, so it's fine, but he gets a mention. For sure. Not one, but two two Grand Slam semifinals. Am I remembering that right? Australian and US? Oh, uh, Australian quarterfinals. So, quarterfinals. Okay. Uh, Yeah, has to get a mention, but. I don't think he wins it because he was going. He, he, we saw him trending that way at the end of last year. So, either way, back to disappointment. For me, you know who I'm between. It's a tough one. I know. So, you want my honest no, opinion? FAA, Kasparud, and Stefano Sitsipas should all get it. They've all sucked. Okay. They all just deserve to be absolutely reamed for how bad of a season each of them have had. FAA, I'm going to give a pass to because he was injured a lot. He was. He was injured a lot, so I'll give I'll give him the pass on this award, okay? Your season still sucked, and I think you have a lot to work on, but you get a pass for this award. For me, disappointment of the year is Stefano Tsitsipas. Okay, this guy has just crapped the bed at every tournament that he's played in so far. I I like genuinely 
I think that he has just more than like, I was not expecting Casper rude to like reach a level where I thought he was going to win a grand slam one day. And the same thing with FAA. He's not somebody that like I was thinking in my head, like, wow, this guy could win a slam one day. I just never really felt that way about him. But Stefano Tsitsipas was absolutely somebody I thought would win a grand slam uh, right there along with like, you know, the usual suspects, I'll say, like the Zverev generation and, and, and Dominic team, whatever. And he has just completely lost his window. Like there is, I do not see any path of him winning a grand slam at any point in his career. Now, I don't know about you. Do not think it's going to happen. I, I just like, he has lost his matchup edge against like, not only is he getting beat by Novak Djokovic, he's getting beat by Carlos Alcaraz on the reg has been on the reg for a while now. And he had a matchup advantage against Yannick Sinner and crushed him. That's gone. See you later. So now there's like not one, not two, not three. Oh yeah, there's also Daniil Medvedev who owns him on like multiple surfaces at this point. So he's got not one, not two, not three, but four people who can basically kick his rear end like on the reg. And it just, it is so frustrating to see the rest of his peers have this great improvement in their game and clearly like have like a desire to win and be competitive. And then Stefano Tsitsipas is more worried about his like photography editing. Like he's, yeah, he's my most like biggest disappointment. I'm done. Rant over. As disappointed as I am with him, he's not my pick. He has, he started the year at four in the world and now he's ranked six. FAA started the year ranked. Hold on. Let me let me just get this straight. FAA. His ranking was so artificially high last year. I think it was like six he in the world. He started off the year at six in the world. Oh, uh, wait. No, let me guess. Is he down to like 22 29. in the world now? Uh, it's, <laughs> and I don't want to hear about bad. injuries okay, because bad. the guy played 42 matches this year. Okay. He's three and four at Grand Slams. He's six and eight at Masters. He's 15 and 14 in tiebreakers. He's one and four versus top 10. He won a tournament, so I'll give him that. He's one and three on clay. I know he might have been injured there, and 14 and 17 outdoors. He's five and 18 after losing the first set. I mean, we've been talking about this guy being a slam contender. And I don't want to hear about injury, Frankie, because this guy, again, I just rattled it off. He played a lot of matches. I don't know what the hell happened to him. Something. Yeah, that's pretty. It's pretty it's ass. Pr it's pretty it's, ass. I'm not going to lie. Those statistics pretty are pretty ass. for a guy with FAA's talent. Okay. Uh, so, I, I'm, you know, maybe maybe he's having problems with this woman. I don't know. What do you got? What do you think? What was your theory? Disappointment of the year. We also got to throw him on there. Tony Nadal. Is he still his coach? He's got to uh, be, right? Well, he's listed on the ATP website as his coach. Yeah, Tony Dadal taking a hit for disappointing coach of the year. That's rough. Yeah. We got a we got a Brady Belichick we, situation with Rafa Nadal and Tony Nadal. I don't think that it was yeah, the coach. Seriously. I mean, you know, <laughs> that's a whole different topic, but FAA, man. 
that takes the cake for me. Now, this can I think this might be Sitsipas's award next year. But you can't argue because he only he technically see the thing is Sitsipas, like he like we watch him, and he's like, wow, he's doing poor, he's doing poor, but then he'll like sneak in and win some weird tournament, and then he'll just maintain his ranking. If he doesn't do well at the Australian, he's screwed. But that's a 2024 thing, not a 2023. FAA for me takes the case. Yes, you just you just hit the nail on the head. This guy racks up so many points in Australia with all the Greek fans there. And then he just does nothing. He does nothing for like four months of the year. He wins like some random clay court event, gets to the finals of a Masters 1000 or two on clay when like one or two people get injured and he gets a nice draw. And then it just, he just craps the bed for most of the, re- for like almost the rest of the season. It's insane. But I hear you. It's probably should be FAA. I mean, those statistics are terrible. <laughs> like, that is horrendous. It is horrible. Like, it's just like, that is three and four at Grand Slams, and you're the sixth player in the world. That's straight booty cheeks. That's straight, like, go to court 16 at the U.S. Open and play in front of, like, a bench full to, of people. He needs like, to get, get Casper Rude, rooted. By the way. Yeah, at least, like, Casper Rude, when I watch him, I'm just like, all right, this guy's just, like, a solid player who has had good draws, taking advantage of what's in front of him, and, like, full credit to him, but I was never expecting it. Yeah. Okay? Like, we all agreed, like, the game was no, not no. there. and... And okay. I know we didn't, you know, Casper went from five to 11, you know, through the year, but he did make a Grand Slam final. So like, he did. Yeah, he made a Grand Slam final and, uh, you know, he won probably like three ATP 250 tournaments. So like great for him. But like <laughs> FAA, like can't even win a 250 at this point. This guy is just it's it's like. It's so oh, he, it's so I, bad. Frankie, I think he's got I, too many cooks in the kitchen. I think something. he's definitely got way too many. No, you're right. He's got. Yeah, he's you are right. That's exactly. You're you're dead on again. He's too got way too many in cooks the in the kitchen. Fine, we could give it to. All FAA. right, I convinced. All right, I'm done. I just don't like. I just don't like Sitsi <laughs> Moving on. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> okay, newcomer of the year. This is one where I will say. Not to toot our own horn, but you and I at the beginning of 2022 or at the beginning of 2023, end of 2022, okay, nailed it. Nailed it. All right. With our prediction of Ben Shelton, Luca Van Ash, and Arthur Fee. We also have uh, Medjedovic, Med who I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, Marcus. I had never heard of this guy pre-ATP next finals. Never heard of him in my life. Guy played the tournament of his life and won it while Fee like, got second and was pretty salty about it. Kind of sucks for him. But shout out. Got to respect it. Um, put him. I put him in there. But for me, I am personally going to go with Arthur Fee because I think that Shelton... Started to come onto the scene a little bit last year. Um, so I'm more inclined to give it to Arthur Fee, who I think went from like, I want to say close to 200 in the world to uh, being finishing the year in the top 32, which is pretty impressive for somebody that's that young. I 100% agree with your pick. However, 
and, and the reasoning behind it. I am going to go with Ben Shelton on this one because he did come onto the scene last year, but it was through wild cards. And, you know, same could be argued that Fee was on the scene last year too. But Ben's performance of going from um, winning winning a few challenger tournaments at the end of 22 in order to set him up, set himself up to qualify for the Australian Open without having to play qualifying, making the quarters, and then making an outrageous run at the U.S. Open to the semifinals. Uh, that's got my attention. That's he put himself more on the map than any of these other guys did. Now, Mijetovic is a great shout because, again, we've got another Serbian itch coming down the line, which everybody's got to watch out for, uh, which, which is great. I mean, we love the Serbians. So, um, but, but Ben Shelton has put himself on the map big time, in, in my opinion, more so than Fee and more so than, than Van Ash. So here is my other argument with Fee over, Van Ash, or over uh, Shelton, excuse me. Ben Shelton, outside of those two tournaments, not a good player. Just was not really that great over the course of the year. And you know I'm right. I think if you take out the Australian Open and the U.S. Open, he might have a below 500 record on the year. Um, which, like, fair enough. He played well in the biggest tournaments. I give him a lot of credit. Like, you deserve credit for that. Okay? But to me, Arthur Fee, when I, like you look at the like totality of the tour, I think he had a better year. And that's why I'm going to give it to him. Yeah, I'm looking at Ben's stats. So he went 26 and 24. But he went 10 and 4 at slams. So, yeah. I, I hear you. I think it, I think it can go either way. Right. And now, now, now pull up Arthur oh, Fee. You want me to pull up Arthur Fee now, don't you? All right. What do you think Fee's uh, win-loss was? Fee's 23 and 18. But he went one and three at slams. You got to play when it, yeah, I'm just saying, you know, argument can be made for either. I think you can go the, 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 you know, the where it matters most route or the consistency route. Yeah. Listen, I'm not, uh, you got to take that away from him. I'm, I'm going to be fair, right? Like it cuts both ways. Okay. Totally. I agree. For me, I like give it to Fee by like this, like a microscopic amount. Like I am happy to give it to Shelton too. Like I think both of them, like this is a case for me, like most improved where it's like, I could totally respect you picking Sinner. I could totally respect you picking um, Nico Jerry. This is another one. I totally respect somebody picking Shelton. I pick Fee by like that much just because of the consistency. I think this would be a lockdown for him if he would have won the next-gen finals. That I do think. But I think the fact that he didn't win that and he was so clearly the best player there, it dings it a little, a little I could, bit I could me. ride with Fee. I'm personally going Sheldon, but I respect it. I respect it. Frankie, tournament of the year. We've got six candidates. Those tournaments being... Cincinnati Open, Masters 1000s, Wimbledon, the Australian Open, the U.S. Open, Roland Garros, so the usual suspects, the top four slams, and we've got the Miami Masters. Frankie, for me, tournament of the year, I think for me, has got to be Wimbledon. I think 
the the Carlos Novak narrative, you know, Novak going for that 24th slam, that the match alone kind of made it, uh, you know, kind of magical and you know, it's Wimbledon. You know what I mean? Having that happen there where Novak was king and Carlos just kind of taking the throne from him, something that we hadn't seen done in a very, very long time. Um, and, and, you know, to add to add that a little bit of magic from Chris Eubanks, you know, making his first Grand Slam quarterfinals, kind of putting him on the map and setting up the rest of his career and his, you know, not, not only just his tennis career, but I think his broadcasting career and a kind of a really cool story there. So for me, I think Wimbledon kind of takes the cake there. I think you could say Cincinnati too, just because they, again, because of Carlos and Novak, it's really them too responsible for all these making tournament of the year, but I'm going to go with Wimbledon. So I don't want to get too much into like the match of the year convo. Cause I think like <sighs> that could become a little bit difficult. <sighs> okay. Here's the problem. Okay. The problem is that to me, in order for it to be the tournament of the year, it has to feature some sort of like, signature final match or epic semifinal match. And that sort of like knocks out the Australian open right away. Right. Like there was nothing really going on there. Um, both semifinals were kind of just meh, uh, which stinks, but unfortunately that's kind of the truth. Um, then I think, okay, what about the U S open U S open? kind of a similar story like the u.s open had some really fun like quarterfinals um but ultimately like daniel over carlos novak didn't really have to do anything until the final and then he pretty easily won the final uh same thing at roland garros novak novak won the final pretty easily and it just all kind of goes back to wimbledon and that's kind of why i agree with you i i just I think it's hard to overlook Wimbledon. And the main reason why is because of that final, which uh, I'll just move us right on because I think we both agree that Wimbledon is the tournament of the year. Uh, I think that the problem is that Wimbledon's final is by far the match of the year for me. Uh, it is just really hard to overlook that. I mean, that was one of the greatest uh, men's singles finals we've ever seen, in my opinion. Yeah, you can make the argument for for Cincinnati just in terms of pure quality of play, but I think and if you want to combine quality, the stage, w what was on the line, uh, Wimbledon takes the cake pretty much because of thing. Yeah, and another thing to talk about with the semifinals of Wimbledon, you had all top four. You had Carlos versus Matt, yeah, Sinner it, versus Djokovic. It doesn't get better than that. I mean that 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 tournament was kind of it, it was the stars aligned for it to be tournament of the year and also match of the year because that was there was so much on the line and we had just seen you know Carlos just lose to Novak at the French Open due to cramping and you know it was like are we questioning him is he able to pull this off this would be epic Djokovic doesn't lose at Wimbledon he'd be stealing his twenty fourth slam the whole just everything and then the quality of play was outrageous so. Yeah, that one's. I think that kind of you know that wraps it up for us there, Frankie. That's 
pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, and also, like, if Novak would have won that, right, he would have, uh, you know, he had, like, the jacket made up with the 23 or 24 on it, whatever it was, didn't get to wear it, ended up wearing it at the U.S. Open instead, kind of funny. Um, if he would have won that, would have certainly, like, the conversation begins about, like, oh, is he going to win the... Is he going to win the Grand Slam? And and that whole narrative would have come about. But, you know, obviously that, that didn't happen. And, you know, I think, like, I think Roland Garros, we would be having a much different conversation about it if Carlos Alcaraz did not cramp up in that, in that semi. Uh, but because he cramped up and we only got sort of like a half match, I think you got to pick that as both tournament and match of the year. Um, I don't know if we actually went through the nominees. I think I just kind of steamrolled right to the winner. Uh, the nominees are the Wimbledon final, the Cincinnati final between Novak and Carlos, Carlos versus Yannick Sinner in Miami, which was also an epic match. Sinner uh, versus Novak at Davis Cup, which was insane too. And I wanted to include not like one non sort of top four match, which for me was Ben Shelton versus Francis Tiafo at the U S open, which was like super box office, super fun to watch. Like so many emotions, like crazy tie breaks, crazy shots, just epic to watch start to finish. Um, So I do want us to do one thing which is we gave Wimbledon uh, final the match of the year, which I think makes sense. Five set matches typically are always going to win match of the year. It's hard to overlook them just because it's five sets. Of the three set matches, before we go, Marcus, of Cincinnati, Miami, the Davis Cup final, um, or the David the, the Davis Cup match, rather, between Sinner and Novak, which one of those three do you think was Cincinnati. the best one? Not, not even a contest. Like that was that might, that might have been like the best like wow non Grand Slam mat, tennis match I've ever watched in my life. I'm not going to disagree. I don't. To be honest, I don't. I don't think that there's a wrong answer here. To to be real, um, but there's only there's only one right one. I also. No, I don't think there's a right one. I think these are all. I think they're all very significant for different reasons. Um, I think that, and I'll tell you why, right? I'm happy to, uh, Carlos and center in Miami, I think is really like a critical juncture of their rivalry. And really, I think something that five years from now, we're going to view as like a big moment in their rivalry when they sort of realize like one's not pulling ahead of the other. They're really just going back and forth at this point. It's going to be a toss up every time these guys play. I think center versus Novak in the Davis cup. We spoke about it earlier with Jan's case for most improved. It, it, to me, solidifies the fact that he is a top three player in the world and could win a Grand Slam next year and has the capacity to beat Carlos and Novak back-to-back if he needs to. Um, And the Cincinnati final, to me, was Novak really asserting his dominance that he is still the best player in the world and that that Wimbledon final was a blip for him. Um, So... I think any one of those three is a, is a worthy answer. 
I am going to go with the Cincinnati final just because I think the way that it impacted the rest of the year, the way that it impacted the U.S. Open final, uh, the U.S. Open and Novak winning there, the way that it impacted uh, the ATP finals and Novak winning there. I think the significance of Novak winning in the United States, which is something that he has struggled with throughout his career, really. And I say struggled with a very, you know, it's pretty hyperbolic for me to say that he struggled. But relative to the rest of the world, he has struggled. Um, that is going to be my pick. And I think that the level of tennis, considering the cramping that's gone on with some of the other matches, uh, it makes it my, my pick. So I, I will agree with Marcus that that is the best three-set match. And that brings us to the end of the episode. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I know that those were a lot of awards, but if you guys have any new awards that you think we should add on for next year or you guys have any beef with some of the picks that we had, please DM us on Instagram. Frankie will gladly reply and get into a heated debate and eventually get canceled. Um, but, but, yeah, no, this was a lot of fun. Thank you guys for haven't gotten them Haven't yet. Gotten we're we're yet, getting baby. close, though. Uh, but thank you guys very much for tuning in. You can follow us on all our socials, and we will catch you next time. See you guys.